0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Stacy Patton here. No Gavin today, but got my buddy Stacy here. You might know him as at Stacy Patton eighty nine on Twitter, uh, or from his work at the Strickland or on Pod Strickland. And we're continuing a game that we started yesterday. So if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, uh, definitely go back and check that out. But we're playing buy or sell, the old around the horn style game, and we're buying and or selling. Uh, whether Jalen Brunson can be a top-scoring option on today's show. Also, if Obi Topping could be a long-term piece for the Knicks, and if the Knicks should just run it back next year and see how things go developing their current team versus making a big splash. All that's coming up next on Locked on Knicks.
1: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts. Without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes! Huck. Up, Huck's left. Now fires it. And he's good! And he's foul. And he's
0: out! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes
1: down! Puts up a three. Bang!
0: Bang! He runs the match down the infectious. locked on Nicks. and I want to thank you guys for making locked on Nicks first listen today and every day whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube we appreciate you making us part of your daily routine if you want to make sure you never miss an episode it can become an everydayer make sure to hit the notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app I'm Alex Wolf I'm Aaron Chief and excited to Strickland, which you can find strict.land and I'm joined again by Stacy Patton we might know is at patton 89 on Twitter and from Pod Strickland, amongst other things. And we're continuing our discussion of whether we're buying or selling uh, various things with the Knicks here. Jalen Brunson as a top scoring option on a title contender. The question is buy or sell. He had 27.8 points on 58.9% true shooting in the playoffs this year. Uh, I wrote here, I don't know, maybe this is wild. The one guy is about to go into the finals, but is he sort of a Jimmy Butler type player in the sense that he's just one of those guys that won't ever really contend for like an MVP or always seems to get kind of overlooked in the regular season awards and yet will consistently lead you deep into the playoffs. Stacy, how are you feeling about Jalen Brunson as potentially being a top scoring
1: option on a title contender, buy or sell? Uh, that's a strong buy for me. Uh, I've been on this boat for a while. Um, before the season, I, 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 I'm i going to take a, a, a victory lap here, even though it's not quite a victory lap. But um, before the season, I tweeted when the Knicks signed Brunson, I said, This guy could average 25 and seven on the Knicks. He ended up with 24 and six. And when I tweeted that, a lot of people were like, that's nuts. Give me a 19 and seven. He's gonna be a facilitator. Arch is gonna be the top option, or Brandle's gonna be the top option, blah blah blah. Randall did average more points than him. <laughs> but he and if you look at his splits after January, this is not just me talking. Um, so you mentioned Butler. There's another guy I want to compare him to because I think it's the more useful comparison in the converse in the context of what you're asking. Um Redick, J.J. Redick, you know, whatever your thoughts on him, J.J. Uh, Redick said at one point late in the second half of the season that, you know, after January, the only player you can argue is when playing better than Jalen Brunson is Damian Lillard. And I think when you talk about him as the top option, that's the kind of player you're talking about. And let's caveat this. You didn't say best player. You said top offensive option. or mm-hmm. I'm assuming a top offensive option. <laughs> yeah. In that, that to me is a very strong yes. This guy can score at three levels. He upped his three-point range. He is not so when you compare him to Damian Lillard, this is a guy that can pull up from 35 feet with Paul George all over him to the point where Paul George is gonna say that's a bad shot. And we'll try to back that claim up on Gilbert Arenas' podcast several years later, because still stuck with him. And but he's but you know, everyone's gonna say that was a good shot because Damian Lillard hits that forty-five percent of the time. Jalen Brunson isn't there yet, but he's expanded his range. He did shoot, you know, under 30% from three, but he has that pull-up game. He has, and like whatever he shot, nobody wants to give him a pull-up threes, open threes. Uh, he's deadly for mid-range. He's deadly at the rim. He can get to the foul line. Um, his creation, like his passing, there were some bad games. Like game one of the Heat series was one of his worst games, I think. Um, you know, considering the stakes and, and, you know, how much was put on him. Um, but overall, like the Knicks have had two big questions for a long time. Um, the Knicks need a point guard. The Knicks need a star. They need a closer. They need a whatever this term. They found the same guy in the same in one player. So if you're trying to ask me top offensive option, can he be like, because I think Damian Lillard can be the top offensive option on a team. Can he be the best player? No, but if if Damian Lillard played with Devin Booker, there's an argument Damian Lillard would be. And, and maybe I'm going to get killed for this. I don't know, but you'd probably be running a lot of your late game offense through Damian Lillard. Jalen Brunson's capable of that. You need a really good number two, and you need a really good number two adds a lot of value on defense. Um, but um, but I think that that's a strong buy for me.
0: Yeah, I'm buying as well. I I think that. This postseason showed it, I mean, as if he didn't, well, okay, let's put it this way. He showed it last postseason that the potential was there for it, and yet he proved it this postseason, that it's for real. He can be like the number one guy on a team that has real aspirations. I mean, the shot creation, as you alluded to, I mean, that's just what you need. You need a guy that you could just put it in his hands and say, figure it out, go get a bucket, whether it's a three or two, you know, whatever the the game flow calls for Brunson can do it. And, you know, he could do it reliably. Um, You know, obviously it's not always going to go down. You know, nobody is, nobody hits a hundred percent of, you know, the shots that they take. And, you know, he's not always going to come up with that, like that clutch bucket down the stretch, but he is definitely a guy that I think, I don't think it's crazy to say after the playoffs that he just had, Is one of maybe the top five guys in the NBA, six, seven, something like that. At the very minimum, like top ten guys that you could just put the ball in his hands and say, "Figure it out."
1: I mean, I'll play Donovan Mitchell, and a lot of people would put Donovan Mitchell in that group, right? So,
0: yeah, yeah, and and you know, honestly, had better success as far as you know being the the guy to create offense consistently, like Mitchell had his struggles and has had his struggles in the playoffs. Like it's not totally out of pocket to relate, like Donovan Mitchell's struggles the last few years to kind of the same thing that we're like panning Julius Randall for, Ooh. you know, or that some people That's are, you know spicy, what I mean? Alex. <laughs> I, maybe it is, but I mean, I, he's, uh, if you look at his playoff numbers the last few years, he's not very good. <laughs> you know, he said he had his last great playoffs was in the bubble. And that was obviously very different circumstances than a normal NBA season. Other than that, he's he's struggled pretty mildly, uh in the playoffs as of late. So, uh, you know, I, I think that Brunson is is right there, but I'm with you. You know, it's going to come down to like who is the co-star and is that Julius Randle? I mean, Randle, we talked about this on our last show, but like you'd probably have to adjust his role quite a bit and be – you know, less of a primary option and more focused on defense, more consistently, stuff like that. Uh, Maybe it could be R.J. Barrett who did quite well in the postseason, but I I don't know that I'm necessarily there with thinking that he could be that supplementary guy. But to your point, I think it's just got to be someone who could really defend well and make up for that part of Brunson's game, uh, you know, as as well as scoring the ball really well.
1: So you're saying Instagram Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just you know, teach Mitch all those moves, like, at NBA game speed, and then he could basically just be honest. He'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think a pretty solid buy from both of us. Jalen Brunson can be the top scoring option on a uh, true contender in the playoffs. Uh, but before we get into our next uh, buy or sell, which is Obi Toppin, we quickly got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. And you can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's a lot of scratch. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And I I don't know if, if I'm the right guy to advise you on what to bet $2,500 on. But I love me a same game parlay. I, use caution if you're going to bet $2,500 on that. Maybe pick a more sure thing. Uh, but if you want to have a lot of fun, same game parlays are fantastic. It's my favorite part of FanDuel Sportsbook. During a single game, you can bet on like a number of different things. So let's say it's like the finals and you want to be like, I think Jimmy Butler is going to have over 22 and a half points. And I also think that. Uh, Nicole Jokic is going to have over eight and a half assists in this game and over 10 and a half rebounds. And I think that, you know, the the Nuggets are going to score over X amount of points. You can put that all on one bet slip for a single game and win tons and tons of money. Uh, I like to do what I affectionately call my uncut gems bets, where I bet like Adam Sandler in that movie. Uh, no spoilers. Nothing has worked out quite as poorly for me as it did for him. So fingers crossed there. But you can do that yourself, too. And there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit fanduelcom slash locked on and getting no sweat. First bet up to $2,500. That's fanduelcom slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. And we're back in to continue buying or selling and Stacy, we've got a, this is an interesting one. Uh, Obi Toppin as a long-term piece for the Knicks, are we buying or selling? And I've got, I wrote out just a few, a few questions that come to the top of my head, and there's so many about Obi Toppin, but can you keep this guy if he's just going to be Randall's backup for the rest of time? Can you convince Tibbs to finally play Randall and Obi together? Do you want to make the difficult decision of trying to figure out his value via an extension or restrictive free agency, given how little you've been able to see him play? All these things weigh on my mind, uh, which is why I now ask you do you buy or sell Obi Toppin as a long term piece for the Knicks?
1: That's a sell for me. Um, mm-hmm. I like Obi Toppin a lot. I love what he brings to the team. I, I, I see this guy as a 20 to 25 minute player. Kind of, he's not the same player as Montrez Harrell, but in that mold as an offensive juicer, an energy guy doesn't have the ideal measurables to really defend at either the four or the five, not big enough for the five doesn't have the mobility or, or you know, the bill, like he tries really hard. He, he's not as bad a defender as I thought he would be at a college. Like he's really like, I don't want to overstate that, but,
0: he truly looked atrocious coming out of college. Like yeah. he literally looked like he could be one of the worst defenders in the NBA. So, any anything better than that has been a huge triumph, and he's been largely average. I think. Which yeah, and it
1: speaks huge... it speaks to his work ethic, and like he's the kind of guy you want on your team. But it's just going to cap who he is, and he doesn't have kind of the ball skills of a guy like Julius Randall. I think he's a way better passer and decision maker. Um, you know, if Julius Randall played as hard as Obi Toppin did. All the time, you know, he, he'd be LeBron James, maybe not LeBron James, but <laughs> um, he'd, be, he'd be even better than he is a second team all in the NBA player. Um, but with those defensive limitations, even if, they, even if the Knicks trade Randall, that's the thing, like, even like a lot of the people who are like, let's trade Randall. Okay, are you going to start topping? I think that even the most ardent, anti-Randall people, like, we'll pause there, right? Not sure if that's your takeaway. Um, Can you keep him to be Randall's backup? No. He's not going to want to be Randall's backup, right? You can't pay him enough to be that. He is, I think, proven that he's worth more than that on the open market. I think there will be teams that will give him that on the open market. Um, You know, if I'm a team like... There's just teams off the top of my head, right? If I had the number one overall pick in the draft, and I was going to draft a defensive savant who can shoot from three and can do all these things and I could put him next to Obi Toppin who's a great passer yes if I'm Greg Popovich I would be interested in Obi Toppin especially if I could platoon him with uh, Jeremy Sohan uh, if I had a shot blocking center who could also whatever your you know whatever your opinions on Miles Turner's gravity are he can shoot the three he, Obi Toppin is really interesting there I do think that there's something to the idea that maybe the Knicks try to trade back into the end of the first round with Indiana using Obi top it. Um, and, you know, maybe they get Duarte back too. I think that's kind of a win-win situation for both teams. I think this is, I don't, I'm not low on Obi's future. I do not right now see Obi as like a 30 to 35 minute starter. I see him more in that Harold mode mold as like a energy big man. It is interesting, right? In like the, in like Traditionally, the sixth man has been a guard who creates offense against bench units, right? Uh, going back, the original microwave was Vinnie Johnson, right? Um, I do wonder if now that guards have become more of a focal point of NBA offenses, if you'll see more of these six-man type forwards. Lamar Odom was the most famous one, so this isn't a new thing. Um, but I think that Obi's in that mold. So this is, to me, uh, a, a, a sell, Obi in New York long-term. But I do think he's going to have a long and productive career. He's too, he tries too hard. He's too talented to not have that happen. But the limitations also, I think, cap him from being more than a 25-minute-per-game player. And ultimately, I think the Knicks are going to want more defense out of that position. And if they do move away from Randall, it's going to be because of that. And, I, and in that case, I don't think Obi's really a solution. And I think he's probably going to want more money than he's being paid right now. Or, or that he and then he stands to make in New York that would make sense for both sides. So uh, I I'm selling. Yeah, I think I'm there too. Unfortunately, which sucks because like he's
0: uh, he's a a hometown very guy, lovable very lovable player. You know, very electric player. Like every time he's on the floor, he's like my wife only like <laughs> lightly pays attention to the Knicks, like in it, as much as she needs to, just to kind of like placate me and, and listen to me talk about the Knicks during the season. And yet she perks up every time Obie's in the game because it's like, Oh, he might dunk. Like it's, it's so fun when he's playing, you know, it's, it's a, it's an experience watching him play. Uh But that said, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I think, I think he's maybe, I mean, I could see a world where he could be a starter. I, I do think, you know, probably the defensive limitations would make that hard. Um, that said, I mean, if you get him on the right team, maybe it works. I, I truly think that Indiana would be like pretty perfect. And also, like you said, San Antonio, I hadn't even really thought about that much, but it would be a pretty, pretty solid landing spot for him, too, with other guys on that team that can really defend their butts off and be
1: switched and how in. they can use I mean, you saw what they do with Boris Diao. Yeah. I think Obi Toppin has way more potential than him, and he can pass like that. I'd love to Absolutely. see what Popovich could do with Obi Toppin, yeah. Absolutely. like
0: be more creative with him on offense and get him involved in different ways. Utilize that passing, utilize the the fact that he can cut better than a lot of guys and and you know, create easy opportunities that way uh, plus the burgeoning three point shot. But I think too often he's kind of treated like in New York just sort of like a spot up three point shooter, which isn't great because he still hasn't quite figured that part out yet. <laughs> and so it's like you're asking him to do the thing that's maybe like he's like the fourth best at. As his number one skill and like his
1: entire identity. Um, well, it's even, even like Julius Randall took eight threes a game this year. Yeah, like he can shoot. Is that really what you want to use Julius Randall? If, even if Julius Randall shot forty percent from three.
0: But for Julius, well, it, you could you could see it because they use that. Like Julius specifically changed his shot profile to, yeah, basically eliminate that mid ranger and just turn that into a three, which then helps the true shooting percentage helps the overall efficiency because like 34% on a three is better than like
1: 42% on a two. But like, but you still Obi- want him right? in the paint. It's like, yeah, you know, you still want him like wrecking as a wrecking ball, right? Like, they're more often. Absolutely. Yeah. And you want to Obi- there idea. more often too. You want to yeah. Obi- dunking Duncan at the rim. It's like um, the quote that I'm reminded of is, you know, um, Allen Iverson was drafted by Casey Jones or Casey Jones was the coach of the, the Sixers when he was drafted. And he had Allen Iverson walk the ball at the court. And John Thompson, his college coach, said, you know, drafting Allen Iverson and having him walk the ball at the court is like, you know, buying a Ferrari and driving at 25 miles per hour. Like, you can mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't want those kind of guys just being spot-up shooters. So,
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I, I think, unfortunately, just due to all the circumstances, also the fact that, like, Obi is the, in that unique position where he's – going to be like the age that most guys are going into their prime, going into his second contract. Um, you know, the fact that he's, he just hasn't had a, a great opportunity to show what he can do yet. I, I would not be surprised if, if it's this off season or by next trade deadline, if the Knicks eventually just offload him just because it's like, well, we don't have any intentions of paying this guy. He wants a bigger role. We want to help him get a bigger role because obviously it's like an all-in-the-family sort of thing where uh, Leon's uh, uh, son represents him and all that stuff. So I think, unfortunately, we're headed towards Obi eventually not being a Knicks. So I will also sell the idea of Obi Toppin as a long-term piece for the Knicks. Uh, but in our next segment, we're going to talk about the Knicks basically running it back next year. If if uh, after one of their best seasons in the last... 20 years, if it might make sense to just do it all over again with roughly the same cast of characters, maybe minus Obi-Dop and maybe maybe with some small arrangements, but with the core group still in place. So we'll talk about that in just a second when we get back. All right, and we're back in for our third and final segment here to do one last. Uh, we've reached the end of this, this long journey of buying or selling. Uh, it's been a fun game. That we played over two episodes, but our final question should end where I I feel like it's the biggest, broadest question. You even said to me, like when I said to these questions, you're like the word basically is doing a lot of heavy lifting here, and I'm like, yes, I agree. But that's what makes it a tough hypothetical, right? Uh, So, are we buying or selling the Knicks? Basically, running it back next year. So, I I just wrote a couple notes here. Forty-seven wins, obviously, it's the best season on paper since 2020 to 21, but really the best full season in 10 years since twelve thirteen. considering they got to the second round. Uh, the team has obviously begun to gel together quite nicely, uh, but we saw some flaws come out in the heat series, namely like the, the shooting or lack thereof at times, uh, you know, the lack of guys they have that could consistently confidently pull up a three point shot and hit it. Uh, and, you know so there's there's that to consider, but we also saw some really positive development from some of these guys, particularly as the year went on. They got more used to playing with one another. Manuel quickly obviously had the year that he had getting so much better. RJ Barrett got a lot better in the playoffs. Quentin Grimes at times like was shooting like 45% or whatever it was from three on like eight attempts, like after I think it was the all-star break, or perhaps even a little earlier than that. Uh so he had a fantastic end to the season. So these guys kind of seem like they're in many ways like right there. And yet there's also a case to be made for potentially shaking the team up a little bit. Uh, but could another year of development and patience give you even better results next year? I don't know. Stacy, how are you feeling? Are you buying or selling the Knicks running it back next year?
1: In the most literal sense of the question? No, um, this is, a, the, there hasn't been an off season where they haven't made moves. They made the fourth seed. And they didn't. They signed Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker. Know. Yeah, you know, and the, these might be that Evan Fournier was eighteen million dollars a year. Let me ask you this: If they were to trade a, a first round pick, and um, I don't the equivalent of Ken, If they did the Josh Hart, was the Josh Hart trade running it back,
0: like during this past season. I mean, yeah. The way I look at running it back is you keep the you keep the main cast of characters the same.
1: So like Julius comes back, Brunson
0: comes back, Arjun comes back, back. Tibbs comes back, Grimes quickly, Mitch and Mitch. You know, maybe they they part ways with Obi Toppin, but most likely like Josh Hart comes back, Hartenstein comes back, and then it sort of just becomes like you find a replacement for Obi Toppin and then just do it. Like, But basically, like your starting lineup is going to be the same. The core of your your vaunted nine-man rotation will be basically the same.
1: Okay, so if they were to do... Um, oh, okay, so one thing that would fill your test is if they were to do Randall for two first-round picks and Keldon Johnson. Just throwing this out there, it's not like it's ever been discussed before, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that would be a major move. If they were to do a sign-in trade for like... Um, you know, if they were to trade Fournier for like Jalen McDaniel's Jalen, not Jaden, um, still a player, I think is pretty interesting. Um, would you consider that? Like that? That's the thing, right? If you're making a non-star trade, but you're getting a guy who's going to be a rotation player, do you see that as running it back?
0: I do because in the, in the case of well, so all right, let's put it this way: out of those two scenarios that you just laid out, um, Jaden
1: McDaniel's so, Jalen, Jalen, sorry. sorry, I have Jaylen. to be specific because Jaden is not getting traded to the Knicks, right? That's uh, unless right. we yeah. so, but Jalen McDaniels yeah. is, a, is a good young player where the Sixers will be a free agent, could do a sign and trade, 6'10 yeah. can shoot a little bit, but um, but you know, a role player at right now, yeah. I just always mix them up anyway. So, yes, J-
0: J- <laughs> Jalen McDaniels, um, if you trade for him. I don't get. I consider that still like you're basically still just running it back because uh, I, my assumption there would just be that they move off of OB because they say, "Well, we're not going to pay him. It makes more sense to move off him." But ultimately, that's a player that was averaging 15 minutes a game or whatever, you know, off the bench. I don't think that's like a consequential or like super huge move. You know, it's not seismic. If you trade Randall for Keldon
1: Johnson, yeah. that's seismic. That's completely insane. So, yeah. is there a, where, where's like the Mendoza line? In between those two things, for you. I think it's like
0: if if they're not a player that you would consider to be one of the top seven players on the team. Oh, wow. I, I think I think that that's I I think that if you keep like so for the Knicks, it would be like if they kept the starters plus like quickly and Hart in oh, so so
1: Stein leaving.
0: It, I don't think I don't think he's, don't think he's necessarily, but like if he, they would move off of Hardenstein and go with someone else behind Mitch, and like if they got good value for Hardenstein or something, in some trade, some team came calling because they wanted to start or something like that, like that I would I wouldn't consider that necessarily a seismic move because that's the sort of stuff that happens with every team every year, you know what I mean? Like, but it like yeah. the rough equivalent of like the Warriors sticking it out with, and I mean it's like the grandest example possible but like the Warriors sticking it out with their big three for uh, you know all of time and and even like Kavon Looney who's you know a big part of those teams or whatever and just kind of shifting the other pieces in and out to make things work like I I think that's sort of my idea of like running it back so like yes you could swap some pieces in and out to try to and you might find some rotation players that end up finding new roles with your team or whatever but Largely, I think it's more just focused on like the the core group of guys that are starting, playing the most minutes off the bench or whatever, like the guys that are sopping up like twenty plus minutes every night. That kind of thing is
1: mostly what I'm looking at there. I'm gonna buy, um, in that you know, under those terms, I don't think um, I will say the two guys. I'm there's really two guys I could see them trading. Don't think they're trading Mitchell Robinson. Uh, I think there's one untradable guy on the roster. Uh, obviously, Trevor Keels. Um, <laughs> you know, the guy who's not that mature than Trevor Keels. I think mean, the only untradable guy is Jalen Brunson.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think anyone else is untradable. I would be surprised, though, if they traded Grimes, RJ, because RJ is just a weird fit where I don't think his value increased that much as a result of the playoffs. But because of the playoffs... He is not a guy the Knicks like are probably looking to like find a way to move off of. Um, there, so there's two guys I can see them moving. It's Randall and quickly. Um, uh, sorry. So I think Obi is probably going to get moved. I'll I'll put it like that. But you didn't mention him in your top seven. Uh, And we I think we'd both agree that that wouldn't be a major roster shaker. Upper. Just made that up. I could see quickly being moved if there's really an impasse on his contract and there have been whispers in the past that he's not quite satisfied with his role. He's very much a professional. He's going to perform whatever you, you, you ask him to do. But if, if it comes to the point where he really wants $25 million a year and they're not ready to give it to him and they feel confident that, you know, whether it's Yoko Baitis, whether it's Deuce taking a leap, whether it's just giving Brunson more responsibility or Hart more responsibility, or it's whether turning into the draft, You know, they could turn quickly into, you know, maybe a late lottery pick, right? Uh, And you could get a guy like Kaysen Wallace. He's one guy, and I do think that would be a major move. Uh, And I think I could see Randall, you know, I talked with Schwinn about this on the pod today. You know, Randall has two more years on his contract. Then he has a player option, which if you look at how the CBA is going and how much he's getting paid right now, he's probably going to opt out. Um, So they're at, like, this may be the best time to trade Randall regardless of however you feel about him as a player. I could see that happening, um, and I could see quickly being traded. On the whole, though, in terms of getting equal value back for those players, and I think, like, I'm pretty convinced, like, you know, me and Schwinn talked about this on the pod today, like, you could do Simons to the Spurs. You know, he, he brought up a, a trade, so this, the, the Blazers send Simons to the Spurs, and I think a pick... Um, The 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 Spurs send us Keldon Johnson, uh, and we send Randall to the Blazers, right? Blazers get to pair Randall with Dame. um, We get Keldon and two picks, and the the Spurs trade Keldon and a pick for Simons. Um, And so you know, those are the kinds of trades where I think that could happen, and I think it would, you know. So it's either Randall. That would probably be the major thing. I'm still going to lean on. Randall one because Randall is like not the easiest te- person to build a play- team around. If I was to pick like the team who I think would be the best fit for Randall, it's the team that has the player that who used to play for the Knicks. And when he played for the Knicks, the guy who wanted the Knicks to really sign to play with him was Julius Randall. So if they send Julius Randall to play with Christoph Porzingis in Washington, I think something around Kuzma. I would love Corey Kispert, Kuzma, and like a couple first. I don't know if Washington does that, but. Like Those are the kinds of moves I'm thinking about. I'm going to err on the side of saying I don't think the, the Knicks, how they value Randall, is going to match up on that axis with how other teams will because of some of the considerations of how tough he is to build around. Uh, not, not tough around. I don't mean that in like he's a, he's a problematic player, but you need someone who can block shots and protect the rim to really get the most out of him. right? Or you need to be able to play him at the five. You can't have him be one of your probably top two offensive options. He needs to surround him with good defenders and probably good shooters. It it's, it becomes a little tough relative to his level of talent. That's the only trade I could see, and I could see a quickly trade, but that's probably more pick oriented. I don't think, um, I don't think what they would they're going to use quickly as a centerpiece for a star trade. Like, would quickly be the centerpiece of a Jalen Brown trade, maybe. But um, but I think in both of those cases, I think they'll pay quickly a reasonable deal. I think he wants to stay in New York. He'll have a definite, he got the average 27 minutes this year. I think mean, they can sell him on a pretty defined role in that um, range, get him his money, $20 million a year. I guess generational wealth, you know, early locked in, and then he can still make his next money to, you, to the point you raised earlier. Uh, and I think with Randall, they're just not going to get the value back that they probably value him at and what he brings to the team. So I am going to buy the idea that they run it back.
0: Yeah, I'm buying it as well for for many of the same reasons. I just think I think they're pretty well like I think that Tibbs is a good litmus test for how they might feel about Randall as well. And the fact that there wasn't even the slightest rumble of like Tibbs's job is maybe being considered, you know, or, or something like that. After, you know, the ending to the playoffs where he he clearly got outcoached by Spolstra, which a lot of people get out coached by Spolstra. And yet, if you want to take the next step as a team, you eventually have to be able to outcoach Eric Spolstra at some point, um, which will probably for the Knicks at some point in the future mean getting a new coach. But like they don't seem ready to make that move right now. And it, I think as a result, they also probably don't seem ready to make the Randall move like they probably feel like, look, this guy. Earned our trust this year, you know, by making an all NBA team again, uh, by being an all star again, by being the rock that this team had all year. And I think it's pretty unlikely that they then decide to trade him and that they would be more inclined to just say, like, we got to give this guy a shot. We got to keep building around him, around Brunson and, you know, make sure they got the best team possible with the most shooting and everything else. Uh, that said, I don't know how that shooter is just going to, like, spawn out of thin air, like, onto the Knicks. So, you know, maybe that's someone that they'll just have to, like, take a chance on in free agency or something. But I think largely they're just going to be banking on the development of, like, Quickly and Grimes. Grimes and RJ and hoping that they can shoot the ball better. Maybe hoping that Josh Hart can replicate more of his first, you know, part of his time in New York rather than the last part in the heat uh, as far as shooting the ball where he just seemed really tentative and, and not confident in himself to shoot from there. Um, so we'll just have to see how it all goes. It's it's going to be interesting, but I would, I'm with you And it. <laughs> I guess it's kind of boring. I think we agreed on every single one of these, or I guess like there was like a slight, slight difference on the Julius Randle one, but otherwise we pretty much agreed on all of them, but I'm, I'm buying the idea that the Knicks are going to run it back next year as well. I think I think great minds that, to take a leg, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, but I think that's that lines up with their their way that they they build the team, or at least the way that Leon has so far, where it's been minimal roster turn every year, trying to really build up like a a, a consistent core. Uh, particularly after the last time that they tried to really do like a lot of wholesale changes with the Evan Fournier and Kevin Walker thing, really bit them in the butt. And instead, they sort of just this past off season, even though Brunson is like probably the most significant free agent signing in Knicks history at this point, or is certainly like one season away from being that. Um, you know, I, I think that he's, you know, that that was a huge addition, but also a sensible one that didn't make them totally change the way that they approach things. Uh, so I think that that's going to be key for them this year is just kind of keeping that same idea. You don't think
1: signing Ron Baker for four, for two years for 9 million was more significant.
0: Uh, don't even get me started on that contract. It's one of my least favorite contracts of all time that the Knicks <laughs> ever signed. And I've literally, I'm so glad I didn't ever have to talk about that crap again as like a serious show topic. But I used to go on such rants about Baker's stupid contract that they signed. It's got to
1: be the hair, Alex. It's got to be, it must have been the hair. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, been.
0: <laughs> Just the hair or the children's book or something. It couldn't have been what he was doing on the basketball court. They got him $5 million and a no trade clause. But anyway. All right, Stacy. This has been great. Thanks for joining. And this is uh, this is a fantastic two episode run. Before before I play the outro music, which is a thing now with our new layout on YouTube and everything. Um, do you want to remind everybody where to find you and, and any work you want to promote or anything like that?
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me at Stacy eighty nine on Twitter. Uh, thanks again, Alex, for having me on. Uh, and I'll plug. Um, you should definitely check out. All of the great work the Strickland is doing on the New York Liberty. Uh, they're a very exciting team this year. They have Brianna Stewart, who uh, has very quickly announced herself among the upper echelon of New York athletes. Um, and, uh, and they're just a really fun team. They're just getting my favorite WNBA player right now, Maureen Johannes, back. Um, so we got Gigi Spear, uh, the great Matthew Miranda, uh, my co-host on Believe Next. Um, and Colin Lauren have been doing some great stuff. We'll probably have some other writers, but I'll definitely plug all the WNBA coverage at, um, and specifically the Liberty coverage at the Strickland, as well as draft Strickland. Uh, you know, I think me and Alex both agreed we're probably we're reasonably confident. I think the Knicks are going to try to get a pick either early second or late first. Uh, and we have um, a guy who knows more about the draft than I thought was humanly possible in Prez as well as some other really well-informed folks. So we'll have a lot of coverage on the draft as well. So uh, keep checking out the Strickland uh, for more uh, content on both the Liberty and the draft.
0: I agree. And no notes there. So thanks, <laughs> Stacy, for coming on. And thank you all for listening. And we'll still have one more episode for you guys this week. But until then, thank you all for listening and talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.